welcome back to Knowledge Storm. My name is Melina. And I'm Jake, and I'm back this week. Thank God. Ooh, everybody probably missed me a lot. I'm sure they did. Actually, I was here the whole time. I was just hiding behind you. That's not true. I was here the whole time. That's absolute. Just hiding behind those sexy buns. (laughs) I was here the whole time. Yeah. Just creeping on you. That would have been great. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I was. That's not the case. Yeah, and, and yes, I, I definitely would have talked shit about the stupid oh, freaking girl I last week. Well, there was a couple of girls last week. Well, and whoever that guy was, like, who was that? A guy in the that took the fire job there yes. in the tower? Yeah, that was a guy. How's it going for three months? I I don't know. Just no sex, no nothing up there, huh? No nudie mags, no nothing to beat no off to. <laughs> nothing. He might no have had phone. It in his rucksack. Like, no. get the fuck out of here, wouldn't it? And then he kept like, fuck, 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 fuck. I like, know. That, I, that was annoyed with how like, many times. Like, ooh, okay, hard ass. Sorry. Yeah. Slow, no, slow down there, fire. Oscar, what a douche. I literally... Sorry really, for any Oscars out there, but... Yeah, sorry for dude. any Oscar. Like, Oscar. Yeah. Fuck out of no, here. No, I literally, like, read it verbatim, and I was just like, oh, God. And then the fucking nice. chick in the active wear. It's like, I'm going to my active wear. I'm going to put my phone in airplane mode, and I just want to be alone, and then, oh, fuck, I'm screwed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what you get, you idiot. Yeah, no, that was... Stupid shit. I liked the stories, personally, and... They were fine, but don't be like, well, I want to be alone the whole time. I'm going to my journal, my lunch, and my Jeep, and... uh, (laughs) Journal, lunch, and Jeep. Jesus Christ. You get what you deserve. Whatever. As far as I'm concerned. So you ready to get into this week's topic? I don't know what it even is. So Mm. I made a decision, and I don't know, we, like... At the house, like, we have been, mostly me, um, on this, like, Pirates of the Caribbean binge, <laughs> and mm. I just, like, I love these movies, and I was... Very good. I was kind of, I don't know, I wanted to do some research, and just, like, is there any truth to this? Like, is there anything, actually, like, behind these stories, or is it all, you know, Disney fictional, you know, whatever? And turns out... A lot of legend, a lot of lore. There is actually a lot of legend and a lot of lore uh, behind these stories. And it's not like, you know, verbatim, you know, completely the same, obviously. But these stories are actually really, really cool. And I kind of wish they would have put a little bit more, you know, truth into Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Mm. But the first thing I was looking up and I was... I don't know why this caught my interest so much, but I was thinking about like the pirate's code and I'm like, okay, is this even real? Is this any, you know, is there any kind of truth to this? Cause the more like you think about pirates, like, especially like nowadays, mm. because there are still pirates out there. They take over cruise ships and, you know, merchant There'd ships be no code of the new pirates. I don't believe. Right. And I'm like, There'd so no is there, actually any code and according to wikipedia which isn't my favorite source but there are a lot of good sources within wikipedia um there is actually a pirate code pirate article or articles of agreement um which were kind of like a code of conduct for um governing pirates a group of sailors on turning pirate would draw up their own code or articles which actually provide like rules for discipline um, division of stolen goods and compensation for injured pirates, which I thought was kind of interesting. Hmm. So, like, that if, is you, weird. if you get, like, fucked up, they don't just, like, throw you overboard. They're like, oh, well, guess here's some gold. Oh, uh, some compass. Yeah, that's weird. Hmm. Like a little severance cool. package. Yeah, severance package. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for all the, but, you know. 
Um, so Buccaneers, like other ships of the time, operated under the ship's articles that, among other things, governed the conduct of the crew. Um, these articles of, of agreement became authority independent of any nation and were variously called the Chasse Party, um, which is like Charter Party or the Custom of the Coast and or known as the Jamaica Discipline. In retrospect, these became known as the Pirate's Code. Pirate articles varied from one captain to another and sometimes even from one voyage to another, but they were generally alike, including provisions for discipline, specifications for each crewmate's share of treasure, and compensation for the injured. So Keith Richards doesn't have the code in the book on the movie? <sighs> no, it's He's not secretly holding Bartholomew's... Um, written pirate code is unfortunately not exactly how it was that's how i see it i know it, that was a sweet good rendition like, of it yeah. yeah i liked it i i loved that mm-hmm. and like the keeper of the code and this and that whatever is fucking sweet yeah but um each crew member was usually asked to sign or make his mark on the articles and then swear an oath of allegiance or honor the oath was sometimes taken on a bible but john phillips men Lacking a Bible, swore on an axe. Um, legend That's su- pretty bad. I, I thought you'd like that. I thought mm. that was pretty cool, too. Um, legend actually suggests that other pirates swore on crossed pistols, swords, or even on human skulls, or uh, astride on a cannon. Um, sorry. This act formally inducted the signer into the pirate crew, generally entitling him to vote for officers and other affairs of the movement um, to bear arms and to share of the oh and and to his share of the plunder. The articles having been signed, um, they were then posted on um, in a prominent place, and often it was usually like the captain's door um, to his cabin. Right, right. So after the I th- oh my god, what is this? Oh, p- piratical cruise began. New recruits from captured ships would sometimes sign the articles, in some cases voluntarily, uh, in other cases, you know, under the threat of torture or death. Uh, Valuable sea artisans, such as carpenters and navigators, were especially likely to be forced to sign articles under duress and would rarely be released, regardless of their decision to sign or not. In some cases, even willing recruits would ask the pirates to pretend to force them to sign so that they could plead that they were forced should they ever be captured by the law. Um, generally men who had not signed the articles had a much better chance of acquittal at trial if captured by the law. Hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of an important thing too. Yeah. Um, not that they got caught super often back then. Shit. Even when he got thrown in jail, how many times have people escaped from jail? They just like, they get out like pretty easily back then. Yeah. 1800s. Yeah. Just lift the lock and you get right out. Yeah, exactly. Leverage, a little bit of leverage. A little bit of leverage. Leverage um, down there. Especially those of privateers, which, you know, similarly provided for discipline and regulated distribution of booty. I just love that word. Booty? Yes. It's just adorable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're usually far less equally than with the pirate articles. Merchant articles and privateering articles can be traced back to Europe in the Middle Middle Ages um, when there was a system of joint hands agreements between merchants, owners, and seamen to share profits. So that's like a little bit of history behind, you know, the Pirate's Code, and that's kind of how it worked, which I thought was really interesting. Like they literally, like each ship would have like their own law. 
basically to abide by you know so they're all different yeah right i mean to a certain extent yeah Mm-hmm. and so this kind of brought me to the flying <clears throat> dutchman and davy jones and parlay <laughs> yeah i i don't know that parlay i didn't, didn't parlay thing really about that parlay because it kind of sounded like no matter what you had a choice to either like join the crew or die i just so. be up in the crow's nest all day yeah that would you would burn to death up in the crow's nest yeah, you're fair-skinned. With a bucket, with a they big old pile of rum. Back then. No, son, if they had cool pirate hats, I had a hat on, it'd be okay. <laughs> You'd fucking burn to a I'd have a big pirate hat on, it'd be fine. <laughs> You'd have blisters. <laughs> no way. <laughs> okay. So the Flying Dutchman, um, turns out, is actually also based off of um, an actual ship that... It's true. I knew it was. Uh, it's a hundred percent. It's a little true. more complicated than what the movie obviously makes it out to be. So it's the Squid Man operating it. Absolutely not. Octopus. I guy. wish it was because that'd be fucking sweet. But wow. For centuries, the legend of the Flying Dutchman has captured the imagination. Oh, and this is from HistoryCollection.co. So has captured the imagination of many. The story tells how the shades, um, yeah, how the shades of the doomed. Oh, shades of the doomed ship and its crew are condemned to wander the world's oceans for eternity without ever reaching land, all because of their captain's fateful decision to sail into fatal seas. Hmm. The legend has inspired the imagination of playwrights, poets, and painters, and it has even become a a feature of the popular Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, where the ship is, you know, known simply as the Dutchman and sails under the command of the fictional Captain Davy Jones. So I don't like fictional. I don't like that either because they're pretty is... sure it's true. Well, Pirates of the Caribbean is a documentary, is it not? It, it's no? definitely not. I thought it was. It is. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. It's not a documentary, mm. but this kind of brings me to Davy Jones, which you have to kind of start with Davy Jones Locker because that is like the majority of where all of these like legends come from. So Davy Jones' locker is a sailor's uh, synonym for the ocean floor. A locker was another name for the chest, ba- or for a chest back in the day. So being sent to Davy Jones' locker, locker actually means dying at sea. In some stories, evil and wicked sailors who died at sea were locked up in the chest by Davy Jones and had to spend eternity trapped there. But I mean, there is some. Tr- I mean, as far as the legend goes, though, he was supposed to be the ferryman from to ferry the souls from the sea to the wherever underworld or wherever. Supposedly, that is you know kind of like a Charon of like the Greek mythology, like yes. you know, with, like the river sticks or like a boatman. So he used to mean David Jones is obviously a boatman. Yep. So this is one of those things. Um, this kind of tells you a little bit more about David Jones, and then we'll go back to the Flying Dutchman. So, obviously, many have heard of Davy Jones and his famous locker, um, maybe through the old legend itself or maybe through, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but, it, unfortunately, it's nothing like the real stories, like I had said. Um, except for the fact that Jones is the captain of the famous Flying Dutchman. Sailors used to tell terrifying stories uh, to each other about this legendary pirate, but who was he? Um, it's unclear when Davy Jones' stories took place, but it was probably around the 1500s when people started trading and fighting at sea more and more. Um, 
The earliest known written reference, it was in The Four Years' Voyage of Captain George Roberts by Daniel Defoe in 1726. And, uh, sorry, says, however, there was only a short mentioning of it saying to be, you know, that somebody was sent to Davy Jones' locker. Among the many different stories, some depict him as the devil, while others say that he is the evil god of the seas. In some tales, he is a murderer or the captain of a ghost ship. Hmm. So here's like the different um, theories of where Davy Jones came from. One says that he was a pub owner. Okay, so Davy Jones apparently was an owner of a British pub and would get sailors intoxicated and uh, he would lock them in his ale locker. Nice. So um, My kind of guy, yeah. <laughs> yes. He locked their unconscious bodies in ships that were passing through the harbor. And the story um, also tells us that his pub went bankrupt, which made him decide to become a pirate. He also stole a ship from the harbor and supposedly sailed the Atlantic Atlantic Ocean, hijacking other ships and decapitating or keelholing most of the crew um, from the other ships. Surviving crew would be locked in the ship and the ship would be sunk. That's pretty fucked up. By his Kraken. Mm. He would send the Kraken to, uh, you know, keel hall. Unfortunately, doesn't say anything about the Kraken. Uh, he had a Kraken. Uh, that Maybe in like a little box or something. He kept one. That'd be sweet if he did. He probably had tons of wunches. He didn't get lots, <laughs> lots of like wunches in the room. Well, that part of that story also mentions... Just grab yourself a winch and some room. Oh, my God. Winch. Wench. Wench. Not winch. Winch, wench. A winch goes on the front of the winch. A wench. Winch. Winch. Get up a winch. In some room. Uh, okay, so the story tells that um, the owner actually sold his soul to the devil as well. So that's kind of like part of that lore. So another theory is the captain of the Flying Dutchman. In some stories, Davy Jones is the captain of the Flying Dutchman. And the Flying Dutchman was supposedly a ghost ship that wandered the seas forever because it could not make port. The story goes that Jones hailed out to the sky on a trip from Holland to Batavia. Legend quotes him as saying, God or devil, I will sail around the Cape, even if it means sailing toward our last judgment. Hmm. Then the devil took control of the ship, and as a price, the ship had to sail the seas forever, and the dead crew working for eternity without ever saying a word again. What? Yeah, it's fucked up, right? No lunches touching his mast or anything? There's another couple of good theories. Rubbing his mask, maybe on the side? Ignore your wench talk. Mm, okay, huh? So the Jonah theory um, states that in the Bible, Jonah became the devil of the seas. When his crew found out that he was being punished by God for his disobedience, the crew casted him overboard. Um, some say that Davy Jones came from, um, actually came from Devil Jonah. And sailors believe that many wicked of sailor would go to Davy Jones' locker. Hmm. Um, so there was an actual, you know, pirate captain that was named David Jones too, by the way, but apparently he sailed the seas around like the 1630s, but he is like super not well known at all. Hmm. And then others say that, you know, it's simply Satan. So. Weird. Sailing the seas. Yeah. It probably is. I mean. I mean, you never know. But so let's bring us back to um, the Flying Dutchman. So the adoption of the legend of the Flying Dutchman by popular culture seems perfectly natural. After all, I mean, it's it's more than a fable of the seas. It's a fairy tale that was, you know, cont- or 
it was concocted by like superstitious fears of sailors. Or is it? For as late as the 12th century, sailors have been reporting sightings of the shade of the cursed ship sailing the seas before them, something they regarded as a warning of impending bad luck or doom. So is there any truth behind the myth? If so, what inspired the legend of the Flying Dutchman? So the le- in the legend, the ship became known as the Flying Dutchman, and that was part of a fleet that was owned by the Dutch East India Trading Company. Hmm. Um, I'm sorry, Dutch East, East, ah, Dutch Dutch East, East India, India Company. I want to say Trading Company because I feel like I think that's from Pirates of the Caribbean. All that is, yeah. Yeah, the so, East India Trading Company, yeah. So East Dutch East India Company. Um, these ships traveled between the Netherlands and the East Indies, transporting exotic silks, spices, and dyes back to Dutch ports. At the time of its last fateful voyage in 1641, the Dutchman's captain was Hendrik van der Decken. Van der Decken and his crew um, had an uneventful outward journey. Why can I not talk today? Sorry. Mm, rum, too much rum. Um, <laughs> Why is the rum always gone? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, had an uneventful outward journey, but on the return, it was very, very different. Vanderdecken was eager to return to Amsterdam as quickly as possible, so he decided to opt for the shortest route possible around the Cape of Good Hope. However, as the ship began to make its way around the Cape, a fearful storm blew up, and the terrified crew begged the captain to turn back. In the earliest version of the story, the captain, realizing his error, agreed, but was unable to turn the ship around and back into the harbor. However, in later versions, Vanderdecken refused. Some claim that this was because the captain was drunk. Others claim that it was because he was mad. Whatever the reason, Vanderdecken ignored his crew and took the Flying Dutchman straight into the storm. Instead of concentrating on battling their way through the main... Maelstrom? Maelstorm. No, Strum. Maelstrom. The Maelstrom. Maelstrom. I don't know. Whatever. I'm not saying that right, so I apologize. Give me a heading. The Maelstrom. The crew mutinied, and in the desperate hope that they could turn the ship around and out of danger, but they failed. Vanderdecken killed the leader of the rebels and threw him overboard, and as he did, he declared that he would complete the journey around the Cape of Good Hope even if it took him until doomsday. No sooner had he muttered these fateful words than an angel had appeared. What? Yeah. It challenged Vanderdecken's words, and the unhinged captain repeated them, sealing the fate of himself, his crew, and his ship. Okay, Hmm. so in another version of that legend... um, places that the fateful events in 1680 or 1729 okay so this time it is not an angel that appears but it's actually like the devil himself and he condemns him to sail the seas for all eternity and um unlike the angel and other versions of the story satan gives vanderdecken a get out clause he can redeem himself and his ship through the love of a faithful woman so every seven years, the captain was permitted to return to land in search for his salvation. Whether an angel or a demon cursed Vanderdecken, the outcome for the ship and the crew was the same. Flying, oh, the Flying Dutchman was lost in the storm. However, the ghosts of the ship, Vanderdecken and his crew, sailed on. Not just around the Cape of Good Hope, 
but also around the world. The ghostly vessel can be seen to hover just below the waves or appear from beneath them. Either way, sailors regard the sighting of the ghost ship to be a sign of impending doom. It's cursed, yeah. Yeah. So, sightings of the Flying Dutchman on the face of it. The legend of the Flying Dutchman sounds like a fable warning against um, arrogance and reckless behavior at sea. However, many ships' crews between the 18th and 20th centuries have claimed to have seen the phantom ship. So the first reference to a sighting of the Flying Dutchman appeared in John MacDonald's travels in various parts of Europe, Asia, and Africa during a series of 30 years and upwards. And holy shit, that is the longest. That's a ridiculously long title. book title. The whole paragraph for a title of a book, yeah. Oh, God. It's like half a page. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's like a... You're out of breath after the end of that title there. Mm-hmm. So, okay, and that was published in 1790 um, when the author noted the weather... Oh my God, sorry. And he quotes... <laughs> and he quotes, The weather was so stormy that the sailors said that they saw the Flying Dutchman and it was encased in a red glow and... What if it was like a lot of seasickness back then and they just like hallucinated half this stuff? Well, like I've been on a ship like one time and I got super sick. I I, I would love to like live this lifestyle, but I could. You went on a cruise? Not like a cruise. It was like a like a, a fishing boat. Yeah, like you went out and. Oh, like a big boat though? It was big enough, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it had like a whole like, you know, captain's quarters and all that stuff. Like, you know, it was quite a big boat. I don't remember how big it was exactly, but. It's pretty sweet. This a little fishing vet boat, yeah. A fishing vessel. Fishing vessel. Yeah, but I got super seasick, so, I mean. Oh, that's... that's like, sucks. half the time, I just went and laid down, like, inside, because I was like, ugh, it's like, ugh, it was oh. so terrible. <laughs> I'd love to live this lifestyle, but, yeah, I, I don't know if I could make it. I don't know that I would make it either. It'd be tough. Uh, no, it just makes me think of that one podcast just that we were listening to. Covered in salt, no the, showers. <laughs> the smell of pervasive vomit. All over, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like, I would for sure die. <laughs> yeah. So bad. Love Dan Cummins. Okay, so in the years to come, other sailors would log their sightings of the ghost ship. Perhaps the most compelling report of the supposed sighting, of a supposed sighting of the Flying Dutchman, comes from 1881. On July 11th, the vessel containing the future King George V, his brother, Prince Albert Victor, and his tutor, uh, John Neil Dalton, lay moored in the Bass Strait off the Australian coast between Melbourne and Sydney. The royal party was on a three-year voyage around the globe. However, at 4 a.m., the princes saw a sight that they could have never expected. When their log wrote as recorded, quote, The Flying Dutchman crossed our bows. A strange red light as of a phantom ship all aglow, in the midst of which light the masts, spars, and sails of a brig two hundred yards distant, stood out in strong relief as she came up on the port bow. And it's really hard to read like this old timey um, language. So they talk. <laughs> they talk really cool. <laughs> I yeah. read this like so many times, trying to like make sure I said it right. And for once, I didn't fucking stutter, so that was cool. You almost have to talk talk like Master Gibbs. Like, yes. <laughs> the officer came to watch. <laughs> Like, Quote, the officer of the watch uh, from the bridge clearly saw her, as did the quarterdeck midshipman. 
who was sent forward at once to the forecastle, but on arriving there is no vestige or nor nor any sign whatever of the ship material and what was to be seen either near or right away to the horizon, the night being clear in the sea calm. So, I don't know, I think that kind of gives a lot of credence to these stories. Yeah, I mean, these guys definitely thought that they saw something. I mean, whether they did, whether they did or not, I don't know, maybe they had a lot of rum, a lot of drinking mixed with some seasickness. I mean, I don't mm. know, I mean... Salty wenches? Salty, lots of salty wenches. So many wenches. <laughs> And then the realm was all gone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. So um, the log entry for this actually has a sinister kind of postscript that seems to lend a lot of credence to the Dutchman's ill-omened reputation. The prince has also recorded that, quote, at 10.45 a.m., the ordinary seaman who had this morning reported the Flying Dutchman fell from the foretop mast cross trees onto the top gallant forecastle and was smashed to atoms. Well, there you go. That's what happens when you get ordinary seamen. He's not special at all. He's not special at all. Fucking straight ordinary seamen. <laughs> you have to have some potent, awesome, strong seamen <laughs> oh, to not be smashed in atoms like that. I mean, it's his own fault. Some potent, strong Greenhorn seamen. out there. Yeah. What the You're hell? Fucking brilliant. Probably drinking all the rum. And yeah. <laughs> Okay, so in 1939, beachgoers actually saw the Dutchman for a penultimate time. Pen, penulum? I, I don't know how for to the say pen, this word. Yeah, penultimate time. Penultimate time. That's, that's right, right? Yeah. Okay, sorry. Uh, first grade. <laughs> South African coast. The, um, the British South Africa annual drew up um, part of a local newspaper story. And it reports, quote, with uncanny volition, the ship sailed steadily on the Glencairn beach. Folks stood about keenly discussing the whys and wherefores of the vessel. Just as the excitement reached its climax, however, the mystery ship vanished into thin air as strangely as, strangely as it had come, unquote. So, three years later, four witnesses saw the Dutchman sail into Table Bay off of Cape Town, <laughs> And it vanished, never to be seen again. There again, they say that's so weird. Like, the why isn't weird? I know, and that's just like 1939. We saw a ship, we thought it was weird, we wondered why, then it was gone. Yeah, and I'm just like, yeah, it's just, mm. yeah, no, there's a lot of shit to this. So, there is also, I can't even fucking imagine being on a ship for three years. Three years, yeah, no, fucking kill me now. I mean, even three months, like just can you just imagine never stepping on land at all, like yeah. Oh, it would really be, be be pretty cool to be the captain, though. I mean, well, at least in the movies, those guys got pretty sweet captain's quarters. I yeah. I mean, it looks pretty nice in there. Well, I'm sure that bushels of apples and and King meat Henry in there, had some, like sweet quarters. Pretty too. sweet digs, yeah. Maybe it wasn't so bad. I mean, everybody else looks like they slept in like hammocks and stuff. It looked pretty, Ugh, you know. Yeah, it's like all on top of each other. Slept like in the rum, the barrels, and rats and stuff like that. Blech. Yeah. No, thank you. So, I was kind of looking for a possibility of there being a real Captain Jack Sparrow. As mm, well. Yeah, that would be cool. I mean, he's like. Totally there was a real Blackbeard. There was a real Blackbeard, yes. But, I've, you know, so many people have James heard Teach, of him. James Teach, or Edward Teach. Yep. So many people have heard of him, and I was just like, eh, kind of, you know, 
being a dead horse. Right. So this is an article that <laughs> I actually got off of inews.co.uk. And it's literally like labeled drunk, prodigal, and plucky. The real pirate who was just like Jack Sparrow. That's cool. Um, he had very short, with little hair, bald in front, swarthy face and beard, speaks little, and almost always swearing. Sounds just like me. The t- That's identical to me. Bald in the front, swearing, oh, short. It's, no. Yeah. Ordinary semen. <laughs> You're so fucking dumb. <laughs> the description from one contemporary of the um, pirate captain, John Ward. Uh, not exactly a dead ringer for Johnny Depp's Captain Jack Sparrow, but um, apparently this guy was pretty damn close. He'd be drunk from morn till night, continues the source, the most prodigal and plucky, a fool and an idiot out of his trade. That's more like it, <laughs> it says. Ward was even nicknamed Sparrow and often referred to, referred to as Jack instead of John, which wow. I don't, like, that's like a usual thing. Right. Like, when people are named John, I think, like, the first person that told me was your mom. Your mom had said, yeah, somebody, it was somebody that she knew. I don't even remember now. Yeah. You know, was, his name was John, but he went by Jack. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's one of those names where it's, like, a Dick Richard type thing or, like, um, you know, Bill, William, Brad, Bob, you, you know. Like, it's not even close. I don't know. Whatever. Well, there's only, like, a couple things you can do that with. Like I said, there's, yeah. there's Dick and Richard. You know, different right. letters there. And then there's, like, Bill and William. Yeah, but you those know, are like, close. Yeah. Whatever. Will, Bill, Brad, John, you know, whatever. Bob. <laughs> so he was born in uh, Faversham, Kent. John Ward led a, or led a successful... Oh, my shit. Successful career as a privateer during the Anglo-Spanish conflict in the late 16th century. Um, but then he became a captain of the Royal Navy before making a switch to piracy, aged 50. When James um, I ascended to the throne following the death of Queen Elizabeth I, privateering was made illegal. Reduced to the role of an ordinary seaman, Ward wasn't content with his new status. Yeah, no. Go from a captain to a Ordinary seaman again. What the fuck? An ordinary seaman. Yeah, what a terrible... Not even a mega super awesome seaman or anything. No, no. Not even a crow's nest semen, just ordinary. Shitty semen. Shitty fucking semen. <laughs> God damn it. No wonder where Yeah, okay. So a mutiny so, happened, obviously. He, yep, he led a mutiny and mass desertion from his ship and was actually elected captain by the mutineers. Yeah. And then he stole a ship from the harbor and embarked on a career of piracy. So, so um, maybe I have a chance. Short, bald, yeah. Unlike Jack Sparrow, Ordinary. however, who headed west of the Caribbean, Ward retreated from the British sphere of influence to northern Africa, operating out of the Tunisian? 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 I don't fucking know. God. Tunisian. Tunisian. Tunisian, capital of Tunis. Sorry. I who doesn't know that? Tunisian, capital of Tunis? Tunisian. You never heard of that? I Jeez. No. Wow. I I don't know why I didn't look this shit up before. That ordinary seaman. Idiot. Sorry about that. So um, many of his greatest exploits were performed in the Eastern Mediterranean. Um, And in 1607, he actually landed the single greatest catch of his career, which was a massive and magnificent galley of Venice named Rainier y Soderina. 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 Um, Crowned with a rich cargo of... 
Silks, spices, and other luxury goods from the Middle East. It's like, fuck yeah, break out the wenches and the rum. <laughs> Damn straight. Get out the rum. The capture of Rhaenyra Sudarina um, capped several goods of several years of good fortune for Ward. He made his name capturing uh, ships larger and more powerful than his own. And Ward was tactically very smart and became known for working with a small fleet of three or four ships hmm. and terrorizing him, his prey into submitting often without any fight at all. Wow. Yep. So his appearance was generally pretty similar to Jack Sparrow, too. Right. So he says... As well as his Keith Richards-inspired manner, the fictional Jack Sparrow is perhaps the best known, or best known for his appearance, which is, you know, his red bandana, bandana, Jesus, Mm -hmm, red bandana that covers a thatch of dreadlocked hair. Ward's style was equally flamboyant, and due to his success, was rather more ostentatious, uh, according to Bach. Many commented on his opulent house in Tunis and often contrasting it with his impoverished origins among the fisher folk of Faversham. So um, it also says here that Andrew Barker, an English seaman captured by Ward, held prisoner and later released, reported that the Ward, or that Ward lives there in Tunis in a most princely and magnificent state. Aww. His apparel is both curious and costly. His diet sumptuous. And his followers seriously observing and obeying his will. Despite this love, his love for the finer things of life and land, when at sea, Ward returned to his role as a fearsome and barbaric pirate. It's pretty awesome. So it's not like it worked out for one guy. Yeah, no, I mean, it probably worked out for a lot of people. I mean, all you're doing is stealing. They don't make it <laughs> seem like that, though. I mean, they make it well, seem like it was like... Not. Well, then everybody would be out pirating. Well, yeah, but I mean, pirating didn't even really last. I mean, I mean, in the scope of things, it only lasted, I mean, a couple hundred years. It wasn't like for centuries or anything. They still do anything. it now. Yeah, but not I mean, like was, treasure but... and booty and... Yeah, it's not like that. Not exactly. No, no. it's the Captain Phillips thing where those guys are in a rowboat trying to... Trying to take down a huge, you know, Navy vessel with a couple of AKs. Like, it's not, yeah. <laughs> like, well, sweet cannon battles and, yeah. The Navy SEALs actually follow behind a lot of, like, the Carnival cruise ships and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, um, now, yeah. Uh, accounts of him at sea do not describe a dandy, but rather a plain-spoken, hard-drinking captain who led as much by example and persuasion as by command. Many commented on his rough charisma and his eager participation in combat. So, yeah, it's pretty close. That's really cool, yeah. yeah. I'm glad it worked out for one guy. Him, yeah. and, him and Blackbeard it seemed like it kind of, you know, it's almost like uh, just uh, as long as you feared them. I mean, that was what, how they, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like they were like superheroes or nothing like that. It was just more of a fear thing than anything, sounds like. Yeah. Well, the last part of this, it says, um, in his final years, Ward ran into trouble losing 23 ships in 1608. Three ships? He That's fucking crazy. He was bad luck to associate with, to associate with, and his golden years in the East Mediterranean were behind him. On the final accounts of Captain John Ward um, presents a quirky and eccentric individual shunned by society and fellow pirates. One of the final the final views that we have of him depicts the aging retired pirate incubating chicken eggs in a heap of camel dung. <laughs> oh no! 
Jeez, really fall from grace there. 23 <laughs> ships to Camel Dung. To Camel Dung, yeah. Uh, it was super fucked up. That's like an armada he's got right there. That's a whole mm-hmm. huge, you know, a lot of ships there. A lot of ships. Yeah, so I mean... It's pretty sweet. Yeah, the stories this week obviously doesn't have like a, a specific end, but that was pretty much what I came up with, and I thought it was really fascinating going through and researching all of it. I just... I thought it was really cool that it was actually, like, there was a basis for these characters. Like, there was real people that enacted a lot of the things that you actually see, you know, in the movies. And that was sweet. Yeah, I mean, and Davy Jones was real, so that's cool. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He's super real. Yeah. Just I mean, like he is in <laughs> Like, the, the character in the book, though, that kind of brings you to this love story or whatever between him and calypso which is supposed to be like a sea goddess Mm -hmm. and i was really hoping that there is going to be some truth to that no Um, calypso really no Uh, unfortunately not and i just i really mm. loved i mean you know the person that wrote the story is freaking awesome i absolutely love that part of the story and be a man Indian man <laughs> in love with a woman. Yes. Yeah. I loved her. She's a great actress. Yeah, she's too. cool. She is really cool. So, do you have any shit to talk about? No, I love. Last week. Last week I did. I did in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So I talked all the say. shit. Right. Yeah, just fucking you know stop you know <laughs> hiding behind your you know journal and your lunch and your jeep and your, your activewear you know. <laughs> Fucking active wear. So yeah. So do you like you like this week then? I love pirates. Yeah, no, no, I love. That's really good. Yeah, that's really really cool. Um, Because I'd love to live that lifestyle, but I don't think I could just because. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking pussy and can't handle a little bit of motion sickness. I just can't. No, just swaying back and forth like that all day. Where did they? Where did they go poop? I don't. I don't know. Like, do they have to like? I think they have like a like a hole in the bottom of the ship or something. Like a little. They definitely don't have a hole in the bottom of the ship. Well, yeah, like a little. No. Yeah. The just shit off the side. Thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's either they shit off the they side. They probably shit in a like, bucket and fucking pew. Yeah. Little latrine. Little whole bucket latrine there. Mm. Well, yeah, because they would have to like bail out water all the time. Like these ships probably had, you know, some battles, like they would be full of cannonball holes and they would have to bail the ship all the time just to stay afloat. <laughs> like, That's true. So. Gross. And then they'd wash their butt out with a little uh, seawater. Salt water. Salty seawater. It's not like they had uh, bidets, so. No, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they I just would, like waited for like a wave to like come up off the side of the deck. A little bit like, of sea spray. Over it's, it. Ooh, right, right in the old, yeah, right in the old yeah. eye right there. The third eye there. Uh, no. That's funny. So what do you want to do next week? I don't know. You were talking about doing like a like a Greek mythology or something like that. I did discuss, you know, possibly some doing Greek, mythology. Greek mythology. I love Greek mythology. There's so much though. Like I feel like we need to pick like one, 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 or maybe do like a two-parter, two or whatever. three-parter. We could do that. Do like you know half an hour or forty-five minutes or whatever of of each different story. That's a good idea too. There's lots of them. Well, let us know what you guys want to hear. Obviously, I'm always still taking ideas. Um, I, I want to do Mel's Hole at some point, too. 
that'll be definitely one of my favorites. It's not going to be a super long episode. Melos Holio. So much information about it, but um, it is really interesting and fascinating either way. So um, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and please tell your friends. Tell your friends and family about us. We need more listeners. More listeners, more likes on uh, Apple Podcast. Um, more Five reviews. stars. Reviews, yeah. yep. We always need reviews. I want to get more listeners so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, when you get a second, like, just go on and leave us um, the five-star rating and then also write, you know, a little review and... You know, just say that. It doesn't even matter what you say. It, it really, really doesn't. doesn't. No. <laughs> you can say, um, yeah, Chris is super annoying and always believes in all the shit. And Jake's uh, funny and uh, make a great show. Thank just you. say we're tight. <laughs> yeah, we're in prison here in the, the their pirate, pirate ship boat. They won't let us out. And it's a great show. <laughs> the only way to get out of the brig is to leave a five-star Right, game. right. We're going to walk the plank if we don't get five stars. Sure, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, we appreciate you all. Thank you so much. And you are freaking awesome. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye.